In the grand theater of life, we all seek a comeback, a resurgence, a rekindling of our inner fire. But how do we spark that flame? Welcome to Reignite Resilience. This is not just another podcast. This is a journey, a venture into the heart of human spirit, the power of resilience, and the art of reigniting our passions. Hello, and welcome back to Reignite Resilience. And I am joined by the lovely Miss Natalie Davis. How are you today? I am great, Pam. How are you? I am fabulous. It's the first full week back. Not a holiday on a Monday. And, And sometimes that's a little depressing, but I was ready. I was ready to like... Let's get this back. Let's get this year started. So I yeah that sure that was joy it. in those grunts. I think I had a little <laughs> bit of joy in there. <laughs> I don't know. If I, I don't know if I'm convinced. Maybe the listeners are, but I, yeah, <laughs> I, it's hard coming back when you. I was able to unplug and take a little bit of a vacay, yes. a lot of bit of a vacay. So it yes. it was a little bit of a stretch to get back, but I am happy to be here. Yes, me too. And I'm so excited because we're kicking it off with a guest, and this is one of my favorite people. Somebody I've known. We just discovered. We're like. How long have we known each other? So really where we got to know each other was back in 2018 when the guests came to Fort Collins and we got to spend like two days in a room, locked in a room, uh, just being creative and coming up with stuff. So I'm super excited. So I am going to read her bio and then we will jump in and learn all we can learn about Miss Beth Killen. So Beth is a native of both the Pacific Northwest and real estate. Her experience started when she was young, working in her parents' real estate office during weekends and summers in Bellevue, Washington. Always a dreamer, she loves manifesting new experiences and creating new challenges by asking what if or what's possible. I love that. After building and managing a $25 million real estate business for almost two decades, an adventure to be sure, she asked herself, what if? The answer to this question led to the decision to adopt the elusive four-hour workweek, and I so want to dig into that when we talk to you today, and spend seven months in Costa Rica with her husband, Pete, son, Max, and daughter, Ellis. She credits harmonizing her professional and personal life by mastering the art of working smarter, not harder, and focusing on having an abundance mindset. She has mentored, coached, and hosts workshops for hundreds of small business owners with a focus on goal setting, business planning, efficiency, and mindset. She believes in living life to its fullest and creating unforgettable experiences for herself and her loved ones. Beth earned a Bachelor's of Science in Human Development and Family Science from Oregon State University and has traveled and lived in Europe, South and Central America, and throughout the United States, Portland, Oregon is her home base. Currently, she is in one of the most significant transition phases of her life. She is figuring out what her next big what if is. Welcome. I'm so excited for you to be here, and I'm so excited to dig in. And so, Jump, tell us about you. Tell us about what if. Tell us about this four-hour work week. I'm sure everybody's dying to hear about that. I am dying to hear about yes, that. Yeah, I couldn't, even, I couldn't even write it. I was like, four, four hours a week? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. It is um, an absolute honor to be here. You guys have kept me going. Your podcast has kept me going through the last, what, five, six months that you've been doing this. I've listened to every single one and I can't tell you how much inspiration it's given me. Helped me complete my marathon for the first time and just some really amazing 
energy that I get from you guys. So I'm honored to be here. Thank Yay. you. Thank We're you. And congratulations. That's exciting. Yeah. 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 It took and a little she- bit of resilience. It, well, and if we have time, I do want you to share a little bit about that race because Natalie, it wasn't like my Napa half marathon where it was pretty much flat. This was a situ- whole situation. Okay. So, but if we have time, we'll go into that. So keep going. Well, to answer your question about the four hour work week, it wasn't even really something that I designed. It just sort of happened amazingly. And I say that, and I guess that's not really true, but it felt like it just kind of happened. You guys know what the real estate market has been like. I took a leadership position with my company in 2020 and was also still selling real estate. And it was basically like two full-time jobs. And I just looked at my husband one day and I said, what are we doing? Our kids are getting older. They're going to be so busy with academics and friends and sports that we have this small window of time. We've always had the dream to live in another country and expose our kids to a different culture, a different language. And so we just said, what the heck, let's do it. What if we could? It took us about a year to plan and put everything into motion. And I have a wonderful, wonderful business partner that has managed our real estate business and was able to have referrals go to him and also was doing some coaching and teaching remotely while I was in Costa Rica at about four hours a week. My beautiful. And you also, when you were in Costa Rica, you were taking like an intense Spanish class and your husband and you were like, like you would do it in the morning and then he would do it in the evening. So, I mean, here you are also like immersing yourself in learning a completely new language, which is incredible as well. It was amazing. I didn't know any Spanish. We had started with some Duolingo before we left, but really didn't have a good foundation. I studied Italian in college. I did a study abroad there. So that was a little bit helpful, but it also been 25 years since I was there. And yeah, the immersive language experience is really intense and amazing. I started to have dreams in Spanish within a few weeks. Like mulling around the words and rolling them around and wake up with it. And it's really amazing what the immersive experience is like. They don't give you any option to speak any English from day one. Wow. Beautiful. Plus then you're using it out in the community when you're shopping and and out there. So you pick up your family, move to another country. Nobody speaks the language. So you just jump in and immerse yourself into this new culture. What were some of the fears going into it? And then when you were there, was it what you expected? Was it easier, harder? Yeah, those are great questions. Gosh, so many fears. (laughs) The adjustment, it's different when in the previous experiences that I had had with traveling and living in other countries or other states or other parts of the world, it was just me. And it's easier to manage just you. But when you have a nine or an eight and a 10-year-old at the time, plus a partner, everybody has their own experience and their own expectations. So there were a lot of fears. Can we do this? In hindsight, when you say that, nobody's speaking the language. I'm like, what were we thinking? Were we doing But we just like, we're going to do this. We're going to figure it out. We're going to be a team. Went to it, went into it uh, with a team mentality and we were there for each other. It was hard. It was harder in some ways than I expected and easier in others. Some of the things that I thought would be easy would be like shopping and eating, but with two younger kids that have some particularities, that was hard. It was actually really challenging to feed our family healthfully, which was 
surprising because we were in the on the Nicoya Peninsula in one of the blue zones. So I just assumed that there would be access to like tons of really great vegetables. But when you think about it, vegetables don't really grow in that area. So mm-hmm. tons of fruit was amazing. The fruit was okay. amazing. But yeah, and so just getting used to the different flavors. Costa Rica has a different palate than what you would anticipate in Central America too. We love spice and flavor and heat. And so their typical meal is a little different. Oh my gosh. And the kids were put in school as well. So this wasn't like you just went down and you're all just hanging out. Like the kids were put into schools and they were Spanish speaking schools, correct? They were. We thought it was going to be about 30% English, 70% Spanish, and it turned out to be more like 95% Spanish, 5% English. So it was a real learning curve and their school year is a little different than ours. And so the way that it worked was that they kept the kids in the same school year, even though they should have been a year older, but academically not doing the language. It made sense. That was really the most challenging piece was their integration into a community that had gone to school together since they were in kindergarten, being an outsider. I think it gave some really great perspective and opportunity for empathy coming home about what it's like to be that kid that has a second language that they're learning in a school where they don't know anybody. And so talk about resilience. I mean, your kids had to go through this phase of having to be resilient through this very big transition. Were there specific things that you did to help them kind of navigate through that? We did actually pull our oldest out of school for a couple of weeks to take the same course that I was taking, which is geared more towards adult, but it's 100% immersive. And then they teach you as a, rather than going to a a school that's just as teaching Spanish speaking kids, it's geared towards people that are learning the language specifically. And that was really helpful. And it took about three and a half months and the language clicked all of a sudden wow, something shifted beautiful. with them and they got the confidence they had the vocabulary and my youngest almost learned it she's young enough that she was learning it as a native speaker would learn it mm, wonderful i love it so how long were you in costa rica in total we, we were there for 7 months we said we were going for 6 months to a year and kind of left it open when i said it was we were all anxious to get home we were missing family and friends and it gets really hot there So we arrived in the green season and the rainy season. So we didn't realize how hot February and March are. And so we were, of course, we got home the day we got home. It was like snowing, crazy snowstorms here in March, (laughs) which was unusual. But yeah, we, in hindsight, I I wish we'd stayed the second six months because it was like those last two months that we really started to get to know the community and and start to really make some great friendships. Yeah. So right got the groove. Were there other expats in the area or did you guys truly emerge yourselves in like a local community? Yeah, there were actually a lot of expats. Yeah, a nice mix though. So we had um, had people, friends from all over North America, Europe, Argentina, of course, Costa Rica and... Mm -hmm. Love it. I just got back from Costa Rica about two weeks ago. And so, and I absolutely fell in love. And you're right. It was toasty on some days. I mean, and that was December. I've heard it, come February, March, April, it's a lot warmer. Yeah. And, it's, and it depends on what part of the country you're in too. Yeah. yeah. And it's a little yeah. humid, uh, which Natalie and I don't have humidity here. <laughs> exactly. It's a, little, it's a little different. It's, it's a little bit different. Okay. So you pack up, walk away from your job. You've still got the real estate license, sending referrals, making referral business money. And now you're down in Costa Rica and you're coming back. So how has that been Mm. now re-entering 
into a life that's different than what it was before you went? Because you can't spend seven months in another country, immerse yourself in the culture and language and not have some change that happens in you, your kids, your husband, kind of everything. How has that been? The reentry was really hard. I laughed because we went to we went to Costco about three days after we were back. And the reason why I only I never go to Costco. My husband does all the Costco shopping, which is great. I appreciate him for that. But I went because our storage unit had been broken into and all of my winter clothes had been stolen. So I needed like some quick sweaters and sweatshirts and a pair mm-hmm. of jeans. I thought, well, maybe Costco will have a few things. And I am not kidding you. I don't think I have ever been so overwhelmed in my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The sheer amount of choices, the bustling, the amount of stimuli that I was experiencing, mm-hmm. really intense. And it, it took me by surprise because I've traveled a lot, mm-hmm. but we really got used to that slower pace. We got used to, you know, I remember we couldn't find saran wrap in our town. And so we were like, well, okay, I guess we have to find another way to store our letters. Okay. You know, so yeah. you just figure things out because you have to know what day to go the, that the vegetable delivery happens because it's only twice a week. And by two days in, it's not great. And so you've got to know when to go and get the fresh, you know, yeah. it's just a really different way of living and planning. Oh, wow. What do you miss the most? Oh, the people. Yeah. yeah. People yeah. And, the things. and the fruit. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't think yes. I can eat apple ever again. It's the Costa Rica has the best pineapple ever. Oh my gosh, you're so right. It's I think the first time I tasted pineapple there, I was like, "Wait, what have I been eating all what my is life?" This? <laughs> I love it. Oh, okay, I love so that. You're back and your last line said what you're looking for your next big what if. So tell us about that. Where are you at right now in your journey? Cuz it sounds like you didn't go back to selling real estate full time. Great. Yeah. Again, great question. We, you know, I went to Costa Rica thinking I'm ready for a change. I'm ready for another career or a shift in career. Real estate has been so amazing and so good to me. And I have loved every second of it, but I'm ready for a new challenge. And what does that look like? And so I was thinking that Costa Rica would maybe give me some clarity. And it turns out it didn't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just really, I really learned to rest, which I needed to do as well. And that's oh, super okay. important. Mm-hmm. I think in order to be resilient, we have to allow ourselves rest, right? Rest. And we don't often do that. I don't often do that. We've now been back longer than we were there, which is crazy to think about. The time just flies by. And mm-hmm. I'm figuring it out, but I'm still really in this. I think about resiliency or success or your journey is kind of a bell curve. And right now I I feel like I'm at the very bottom of my curve. (laughs) My husband keeps telling me, oh, it's the darkest before the dawn. Just (laughs) something's going to happen. And so I keep waiting. The universe is just really helping me practice my patience for the right thing and the next thing to come along. When did you discover the mantras, like the what if or what else is possible? And that's one that I've adopted myself over the last couple of years, probably year and a half. But when did you discover those mantras and what has come out of them since discovering them? I honestly have to attribute a lot of it to ninja selling. What is this life that we can design as realtors? And I love adventure and that is what feeds me. And, and real estate is amazing, but I just, I want to be able to have adventures and give other people adventure opportunities for adventures. And so I love to be able to kind of remove that. What if I mean, remove that barrier to what if, and I guess mm-hmm. maybe even when I was in my adolescence, like I felt like a lot of people 
thought they knew who I was or stereotyped who I was. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to show you. Don't you dare. Because I will get out there and I'll show you. (laughs) It's like, this is the box. I'll be over here. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love that. And I think pushing, I have a lot of good friends from Europe and they kind of live their life differently than we do as people in the United States. In Costa Rica, I learned you don't say American because there's Mm -hmm. whole continents of Americans, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So people from the United States really have limiting thoughts around travel and different ways of living and how you can live or how you should live. And so I love to explore what opportunities are out there, what that can look like. All you knew your entire life was real estate. Your parents were in the business. So mm-hmm. now you've gotten, to, it would make sense that you get to this place where it's almost like, what else is out there? Yeah. I've only known this, what else is possible? And I just wonder, you know, how many people just stay because they're like, oh, this is comfortable. I don't know many people. I don't know that I could do it. That would be, you know what? I'm going to go to Costa Rica with my whole family for six months to a year. We're just going to go. Don't know the language. There's no way. So (laughs) when you started telling me you were going to do it, because you and I have been doing, we talked about that. We've been doing monthly calls together since I think 2018. We call it hour of power calls where we just are kind of, what do we have going on? It's encouragement. It's helping each other, supporting each other. And so I remember when you started going on this journey And I just almost had this like, I don't know, envy that you had the courage to do it and wished I was like, gosh, would I do it if I had the opportunity? I don't know. I mean, talk about resilience. That was courage and you had no idea what to expect. And your kids got through it. And how amazing. I love it. I think, you know, when we're talking with our clients and we're coaching our buyers and sellers, Mm -hmm. there's kind of this like I implemented, especially during the recession, which was when the Great Recession, which is when I really kind of started my career here in Portland as a sole practitioner or sole real estate person, not working with another agent. And I would ask the question, what's the worst that could happen when you would have someone that has that real kind of high, high, no tolerance for risk? What's the worst that could happen? You know, and so I, I always try to go back to that. And well, what's the worst? We come home early. We come, we hate it. It's a month, been a month. We come home. We've, we'll figure it out. We may have to stay with parents because we've rented the house out or with friends or couch surf or whatever, but we'll figure it out. What's the worst that could happen? And that kind of helps remove that fear or at least give you the courage to keep going, even though you are afraid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Oh now, you recently ran a marathon. And that in itself is a huge feat. I just did a half marathon and I know Natalie's done a half marathon. And that was, for me, that was a huge feat. So it was, it was plenty. My box is plenty. I'm I'm good. good. (laughs) I'm good. So I I mean, when I ran, got over the finish line, I'm like, oh my gosh, I would have to run this a second time. And I'm like, no, I'm good. No, thank you. So you did this huge feat. And what made you decide to run a marathon and tell us what that journey was like, because that is a huge mental and physical thing that you do to prepare yourself to, to do that. Well, I'll try not to take up the whole time with the story because it starts a long time ago. <laughs> long time ago in a galaxy long, far, yes. far away. <laughs> Once upon a time. So I've had with Ninja, I've always done the, the life list and the bucket list. And of course, I've had a bucket list since I was in my early 20s. And in some way, shape or form, I didn't really know that's what it was. But things that I wanted to do. And a marathon has always been on there. And I think, you know, I probably have this sick, perverse desire to test how far I can go on something, right? I never really realized how competitive I was until I was in my 20s. And I'm probably the most competitive with myself. 
even. Yeah. So it's been on my bucket list. And I wrote on my vision board, I think in about 2015 or 2016, that I wanted to run the Dublin Marathon in 2017. I was giving myself two years. I have a lot of friends in Ireland, a lot of connections to Ireland. I lived there in my early 20s. And what a great excuse to go to another country and see some friends and run a marathon. Yeah. And then in 2016, I was in a car accident and I had a brain injury. So initially I thought it was just a concussion. After 10 days, they're like, well, you have post-concussive syndrome. The symptoms kept happening, the nausea, the confusion, the visual disturbances, all of that. And it was quite a, it's been quite a journey since the, the brain injury. It took about two years to not fully recover because I don't think I will ever be 100% recovered. There's definitely limitations. I have to really pay attention to my energy and my stress. Mm -hmm. And so that was definitely a, a life-changing thing. And what I found was that when I was running, I was starting, it was exacerbating my headaches and my migraines. And so really stopped running. I was frustrated every time I would start to run. I'd get headaches again. But when we were in Costa Rica, I would go for a lovely run along the beach. And it was always shaded because it was kind of the frontage road. There was always a nice breeze. I would have to do it before 10 o'clock before it got too hot. And I wouldn't go far, but it was flat. And I noticed that I wasn't having headaches. And so I started to kind of think, okay, well, what's going on here? Is it because I'm not on the computer as much? I'm not working as much mm -hmm. because it's warm. I don't know. So when I got home, we had that cold spell and I went for a run first week that we got home and I started to get headaches again. And I thought, I think that my muscles are cold. You know, we live in the Pacific Northwest mm -hmm. and I'm always bunched up and shoulders up to my ears because it's cold mm -hmm. and freezing. And so I started to just play around with that. And I actually started to put a heating pad on my back before I would go for a run. And I found that that really helped. Uh -huh. And so I was able to start running. And maybe because I already had a foundation of running for those few months in Costa Rica, coming back, it wasn't as hard. And so in about June, I thought, or May, I was like, oh, I wonder if this is the year that I could do a marathon. And I was kind of quiet about it. I didn't really say anything. I'm a member of this amazing group, that running group that we meet every Wednesday morning. And I'm not, a, I don't consider myself a runner, but in that group, I will find that all of a sudden I'm running four miles consecutively and it doesn't feel like I'm running four miles. And so I started to talk to the coach. Uh, she's amazing. She was a huge advocate and she really put together a plan for me through the summer. And it was excruciatingly slow, the progress. Yeah. Which I think when we talk about resilience, I'm such a, I want it now. I want it to happen yes. now. Let's make it happen. Let's go get it. And really it's those tiny gains every single day. At one point I was running, I think it was so June, I was running up to like four miles a week. And by the time August came, I ran 42 miles in one week. And so it's, wow. but it felt so slow, but that's huge. What is that? Absolutely. Huge. Or a thousand percent change. Yeah. In four or five months. But there were some times where I would, you know, you look online at the training plans and I'd say, oh, I'm not on par. But the beauty of what my coach gave me was that I didn't injure myself. It was like adding a few miles every week, mm -hmm. just consistently every week, a few more, a few more, a few more. And next thing I knew, here I am running 42 miles in a week. We hope that you have enjoyed part one of our two-part interview with Beth Kellen. What a fabulous story that she's sharing with us in terms of finding resiliency as a runner, or maybe not a runner. I don't think she owns the term just yet. But one mantra that she has shared with us that she has incorporated and taken with her throughout her journey so far in life is what else is possible? What if we all challenge ourselves to ask that question in every area of our life? How much more could we grow? Where else could we go? 
Make sure that you come back and join us for part two of the interview, where we will dive into hearing how Beth actually finished the race and what else she has in terms of her life list that she'd like to accomplish in the coming years. We'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Reignite Resilience. We hope that you had amazing ahas and takeaways. Remember to subscribe on your favorite streaming platform, like it and download the upcoming episodes. And if you know anyone in your life that is looking to continue to ignite their resilience, share it with them. We look forward to seeing you on our future episodes. And until then, continue to reignite that fire within your hearts. Thank you.